Friday's episode of Daily DVR Presents House of the Dragon is brought to you by Cufflinks.com. Head on over to Cufflinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order, no minimum. Cufflinks.com has the greatest products for looking good. They have all the geeky stuff. Man, if you want like a Star Wars tie pin, you want some cufflinks that have the Captain America shield, Game of Thrones, all the sports teams, college sports teams, they have everything to add that little touch to make you look great. So look awesome when you step out the door tomorrow. Go to cufflinks.com, use code DVR20 today. Just going to jump in and have a good time. Here we go. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. My name is Axel. You can find out more about us at DVRpodcast.com. We are here today to talk about Season 1, Episode 8 of House of the Dragon, entitled The Lord of the Tides. Well, of course, Gina's here with me. How you doing, Gina? Hey, I'm doing great, Axel. That's fantastic. I heard you just met Jenny. I did. I just met Jenny in person after many years of podcasting and just seeing each other other over uh, Zoom meetings. Um, She was in town, so we got together. It was great to meet her in person. That is, well, it does my heart good. That is fantastic. I I got to meet Jenny too uh, last year or what was a year or two ago here in Oregon. That's right. So that's a great time. So hi, Jenny. And uh, hello too to our newest patron manny and ian and monster uh you can join us at patreon.com slash dvr if you want to support the pod we do appreciate that and we have a very special guest of course today we're continuing with our guests this is a great one folks he joined us to talk about better call saul and he's here today to talk about the house of the dragoon it's sean from the history of westeros what's happening buddy hello everybody great to be here you know uh i want to throw out real quick if you guys ever have the opportunity to go to a con specifically dragon con or game of uh what do you call it con of thrones any of those things lots of people that you kind of know virtually you get to meet them in person it's great experience not to mention the the different panels and all the events and interaction everything that happens i highly recommend anyone out there going to cons but especially if you're following some podcaster Good chance we'll get to meet him and hang out with him soon. Yeah, I would love to do that. One day I will get out there. Well, Sean, tell us, please, where everyone can find you, a little bit about yourself. And also, I'm remembering, thank goodness, to ask, please tell us about your reading experience um, and and have you read the book um, that this show is based on. Tell us a little bit about your got background for those that don't know all right that's a, a good preface actually um my aziz who does history of westeros and and Shea, i should give her credit too but it, I, I think aziz really started it well someone else started he kind of took it over i don't want to get to the minutia but the point yes, is that was he's like an, an expert friend, he and, and you know for other people out there like world-renowned experts yeah aziz and i moved in together like you know we're getting out of like our college years moved to atlanta together we were friends for a long time and uh but i i hadn't read the books or anything but when the tv show came out he was telling me hey you're gonna like this you know i've always been like a film fan 
and uh, and he was just getting to going with the the podcast. And by around season four, he realized maybe season three that I had a lot of unique, interesting takes because I didn't have these expectations from the show, and that certain things that might be frustrating to people who were wanting things to follow the book. There weren't frustrations to me, you know, that I thought it's good. It doesn't matter if it follows a book. I don't even know the book. It's good. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. That was kind of my take on a lot of things. And it and it generated some interesting discussions. And uh, and he realized that I was probably more of a common viewpoint of all the, the audience out there watching it. And so I joined the podcast to bring that perspective over time. Whether it followed the books or not, maybe it wasn't as good. And, you know, that was a, uh, for some people at least, a disappointment or a challenge for the course of history or of, uh, what do you call it, Game of Thrones. But anyway, I eventually read all those books and got deep into it. And going to cons, it's just impossible not to get spoiled on a bunch of stuff. And I just sort of accepted it. And I'm no longer, quote unquote, unsullied. But this uh, uh, <laughs> House of the back. Dragon, <laughs> this House of the Dragon series is you know, history of Game of Thrones and here and there in the sh- in the books and the show, even they, they reference back. They talk about Kristen Cole or, you know, the dance of the dragons. So I have some vague knowledge, the names of some of the characters, the idea there's going to be a civil war. But I haven't read the book Fire and Blood, which is like the oh. real focus on this story. So I don't know the detail. I don't know, like who's going to die or, you know, you know, it's starting to become like, I knew I had this vague idea. There was something about the greens and the blacks, but I don't know what that meant or who they were or anything. It's starting to become a little more clear, but I, it's, you know, especially I, I have to avoid even like the chats and Twitter discussions and stuff. Cause I'm really trying to not be spoiled, but, I, but I'm confident that I'm stirring some controversy <laughs> in my attempts to defend <laughs> Allison and Kristen. And, oh. and, so yeah, that's the and you know, and, and I, and I realize I, I, I maybe need to point out it, it's hard for someone who has read the books and they do know where things are going and maybe even some differences in a show in the books or whatever. But but, it, you know, if you think about it for the first two, three or I can't remember exactly, but several episodes, Kristen really didn't do anything wrong. He was just this good looking, honorable soldier character. They really were making him out to be a protagonist, which is almost a hint that he's going to become villainous right just the way martin and game of thrones kind of subvert our expectations but i hadn't seen that i don't know what it is that he's done wrong so finally we see him beat this dude to death I'm like okay well that's one strike against him but damon's murdered and mutilated a bunch of people too so like i mean sure Kristen's bad so is damon you know so i'm trying to be kind of fair in my analysis and another thing i sort of realized is that i feel like people who want to be like on team black that means they're against team green or if you're, i guess if you want to be against team green you feel like you got to be on team black i think i'm against both of them i think they're both bad <laughs> they're, yeah. they both make bad strategic decisions and world decisions but it's still interesting to watch you still want them to come around and do the right thing and you know we'll get into all of it but i don't know i, I guess i should uh went deeper into my background than i meant to but i should point out dancing sean at dancing sean on twitter uh dancing sean on youtube and uh and there's a kabillion videos we made with history of Westeros covering any topic you can think of. So. Nice. All right. Okay. So you were unsullied, you sullied yourself, and then you unsullied yourself again. So you're back yeah. <laughs> to being kind of unsullied. And that's kind of, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit the same. I'm similar. I think Gina is going to have the most uh, grasp of what's going to happen out of all of us here. But it makes it fun either way. 
Oh, don't I, spoil I me, Gina. Well, the one spoiler mm-hmm. I'm going to give you, just because we're 200 years before Game of Thrones timeline, is they all are going to die. <laughs> uh, that's a good, <laughs> that's a safe spoiler. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, until they want to do a sequel, <laughs> they're going to bring mm-hmm. them all back. <laughs> they all come back, yeah. you know, and we missed it. Exactly. You know, everyone raised from the dead in King's exactly. Landing. All these, <laughs> well, no, actually, I think they were, I think anyone who died was all blown up in the when the Sept of Baylor blew. So uh, yeah. they wouldn't, I don't know that they'd have the chance There's to. There's new magic. There's yeah. new magic out there. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get into this episode, we have two quick pieces of news. The first is an update from our good friend Kim from New Jersey. She wrote that she finished Game of Thrones, that she loved it, and she's enjoying House of the Dragon even more. So shout out to Kim. That's awesome. Um, She had not previously watched it, so we have a convert there. Maybe she'll end up reading some books or something. Um, And speaking of books... We did this just happen a like couple hours ago, I guess, that George put out a a blog on not a blog and he confirmed through him. I don't know this it's always so weird when like news comes from him. It's like not from HBO. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just I guess I'll believe it more when it comes from HBO, the people who actually are making the show. But I do appreciate old Railroad, uh Jersey baby. That House of the Dragon will run for four 10-episode seasons. So three more 10-episode seasons after this. That's what he's confirming. And to me, it sounds like, I mean, why wouldn't HBO want to do this? It might At this point, they might want to go more, you know, but they've got so much other stuff in the works. But what do you think of that, Sean? I think that's... Uh, I'm happy for that for a couple reasons. One... I think it's good for shows to have a finite finish in mind. Yeah. Does that make sense? Which is yep. maybe a little bit more of a given when you're basing it on a book series, but it's a little better when the book series is already finished. Um, and and beyond even that, there's the idea of it's just difficult to keep a big crew of people together like this for that long. You know, like especially when you have kids that are going to age up and when you have locations around the world, it's I mean, it's. You know, it was maybe a little frustrating the way Game of Thrones ended, but uh, to me, it's, I, I don't know what anyone expected. How in the world are you going to keep all that cast really and crew and those actors together for 10 yeah. years? And it's it's a huge challenge. So I'm glad to know they're kind of keeping it under control. We're more certain they're going to finish this with the same steam it started with. Definitely. How about you, Gina? Are you excited for that message from old Georgie? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how many generations ahead they end up taking it just and I say that just because we've had so many time jumps in this story which I feel like next season is going to be very focused on certain things unless they just decide to to wrap up the storyline in the next two episodes which I think would not do what's going to happen justice but it'll be interesting to see if we really actually slow the time jumps and this is all going to be about dance of the dragons or if they're going to go past it. I, yeah, we were, we were chatting a little bit about this before and the time jumps have been the number one complaint that people have pointed out. Well, I've heard, I have not heard many people have complained too many complaints about the show. Um, Mostly people saying what an amazing production it is and blah, 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 which I'm on board with. 
But you had said to Gina, that's a bit like jarring to keep on jumping. And though I really haven't, I've kind of, it's added a little bit of, um, like a puzzle box, like a little Westworld-ish <laughs> type stuff to it, where it's like you got to kind of figure it out, right, in the beginning of the episode, and I kind of like that. Um, but uh, I think my, my I would estimate, and I, th- I think I remember reading somewhere that uh, the, um, Ryan, what's his name, Ryan Condal, right, the showrunner, said at some point that it will, like most of this is going to take place during one time. Okay. So All right. I, I think that we might even get like a whole seasons that are just at one time, you know, and the, the jumps end at a certain point, um, which is okay with me because gosh, that gives us such a feel. I think it really gives you a feeling of the books to me and the, like the long historical view that George takes through generations of people and, this kingdom and everything. I just, I think I love that. So I haven't had a problem with it. Sean, have you, what is your reaction been to the jumping around? I can come at it from a couple different angles. Overall, I'll say I'm okay with it. Like if it's a complaint, then my complaint is I want more and what better complaint yes. can there be for a show? You know, um, I think that it's, uh, a tough balance for them too. Like if they do want to kind of keep the reins on this thing and not stretch it out so far, it gets out of their control or actors age up and stuff like that. I, I, I mean, it's just hard to comprehend all the filmmaking challenges they have with something this, this expansive. And so I'm, I'm very understanding of it. And I, one thing I think about is they didn't do these time jumps. It, it would be harder like to stretch, you know, when they, when it go like six years, do they do, one episode per year or do they do a whole season to cover those six episodes? And if that's the case, then yeah. this, the, 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 this would have to be like a 15 season long <laughs> series. Like there's no way they're planning at. So I think that it makes sense that they have to pick these highlight moments. And it's sometimes that might even turn into semi staged scenes where they just need to convey yeah, a, a message like this has happened, you know, yeah. and it may really be the culmination of several different moments over a few weeks or months. But but this one scene kind of represents all that. And I think they're doing a decent job without it feeling too without too much, I don't know, contrived dialogue or whatever. And and I think we might get complaints the other way, too. If they didn't do these time jumps, people might complain that it's dragging on too long. Mm-hmm. When are we going to get to the dragons? Well, why are they going on and on with some minutia background negotiation of the hand or something, you know? Yep. So I, I think they're balancing it pretty well, given it is a tough challenge in the first place. It's the best complaint you can have, so... I actually, my reason that I don't like the jumps is like, I'll get attached to an actor and all of a sudden we don't have them anymore. Like even young Eamon, the last, we had him for maybe two episodes and he was such a little badass the last episode. I'm like, damn, I'm like in love with this kid now. And um, because I, you know, for, you know, not that I'm a Greens fan, but I really like this character. And I'm like, I'm in love with this kid now. We're going to age up. However, the age up is not disappointing. Um, The other thing, like, while I think the time jumps are actually necessary is I feel like the dialogue for this show has not been as witty and quick and smart as the dialogue from game of thrones it's just been very as you would expect it um and i feel like 
the lack of kind of conversation and character development through conversation that we've had with the show for, I feel the most part, it's probably good they're doing time jumps and maybe the dialogue will get better as we stick with them for a while as we get into the meat of this blacks versus the greens. But, um, you know, it's not as witty. It's definitely not as funny. Although Helena finally gave us some comic relief um, this episode. And I just don't think the dialogue is as smart <laughs> as uh, Game if, of Thrones was. If I could make a counter to that, I would say that um, it, it, if if that's true, that it's not as witty or clever or funny or whatever, that's not the same as not witty or funny or clever. Like Game of Thrones was among the wittiest and the cleverest ever. So, you know, getting knocked down from nine to seven, it's fine. It's, I feel like it's on par with most TV. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what you were saying, Gina, as you'd expect it. I find, yeah. I actually find this show to be a bit more poetic. And I feel that the, it, it is more dour. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. There, there is not a Tyrion character. And uh, there, ev- I mean, even Jamie was very funny, you know. So I, I think that you're you are missing that. Um, but I do find that when it gets serious, and especially with Viserys, I mean, like his performance this episode, everybody is talking about uh, Patty. Um, is it Constant Constantine? I want to say Constantine, but it's not. I think it's Considine. Considine. There's no T. It's okay. Considine. Yes, Considine. I'm, I'm sure. going to say Constantine. Okay, thank you for telling me. Considine. I mean, it, it, everybody's saying it. You have it in the notes. Emmy time. This is mm-hmm. was amazing. I mean, several speeches, monologues that were knockout and just scenes where he's in and out of consciousness. It was fantastic. It was and so... I, I would agree with you there, though, and I think what you're talking about with with that level going up with the time kind of leveling out is a good point because I do agree with you that I think they're related. I think that, and I, and yeah. I, I think you don't have time to have Tyrion sitting around telling dumb jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't have time for that because you've yeah. got, I mean, look at these episodes. We're getting like these 10, 15 minute long scenes that involve five, 10, 15 speakers that are in the same room at the, at the same time. Like you had like two of them in this episode, right? In the throne room. And then at the Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, it was the family reunion. Yeah, the la- <laughs> the family last supper. supper, right? The last, it was the last supper. Um, those scenes just to shoot them, to stage them, to, to have the way the acting is and the way you can tell where people are in the room. It's really fantastic. So I, I, I yeah. think once they can slow down a little bit, and you can have some throw-off scenes instead of these huge, big, like, set-piece scenes. Because that's what they really are. They're dramatic set-pieces, right? Like, instead of, we normally think of a set-piece as a big action scene. But that's kind of what this is. is it's a lot of moving parts. Um, but let's get into the episode. I want to start off at the end. And I want to okay. ask you both. Do you think that Allison understood that Viserys was in and out of consciousness and was thinking, in my opinion, that he was talking to Renera, continuing a conversation from about 30 minutes previous in the episode 
when she asked him if the song of ice and fire prophecy was really true right and now he's answering but it's too because he even called her allison there right so it's kind of interesting um do you think she actually understood that he was fucked up or is she going to take with this from this what she can to did use she, it for herself? Did she call him Allison? What? Or did he call yes. her Allison rather? Yes, he did. He oh, called. Okay. Oh no! Or he either called her Emma or Allison when when he was talking when Renera was talking to him or, and he was kind of in and out of consciousness. Oh, earlier when Renera yeah. was talking yes. to him, he called her the wrong name. Yeah. But Allison he, yeah. at first, but she yeah. corrected right. him. Yeah. Right. No, that's what I'm, but what I'm just trying to say is he transposed. Yeah. yeah. Later on, he still thought he was talking to Renera. Renera. Exactly. Yes. It's, I'm just making the point that it's very, he was, you mean, he's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you mean, did Allison realize he wasn't yes coherent exactly well hadn't she just given him a large dose of milk of the poppy okay she just there gave you. it to him yeah i mean you know it's like come on lady you've had him drugged up other than today and you just drugged him again so i think oh allison i i think she's going to maybe take that as you know I think we need to wait to see next episode what she does with that. I do think she realized he he was not coherent. However, I do feel like we had a very near mending of the relationship between Allison and Renera, especially when Allison like grabs Renera at the end and is like, please don't go. Can't you stay longer? Made me feel like she... So she she was going to set things right that things had been set right and um i don't know it just it makes me sad it really makes me sad and yeah i know some of the things that are going to happen and i i think the wounding of this relationship between these two women and this is also why i would have liked maybe a little less time jump because i do feel like we could have seen more between these two um, when they were younger, because I feel like they were even closer beyond what we saw in the first couple episodes. I mean, in some ways, the the crumbling of this friendship is one of the biggest tragedies of this show to me at this point. But most it's at it's it's the crux of it all. Right. Yeah, It's the crux yeah. of it all. Um, what do you think? What was your interpretation of that? That scene just before Viserys dies when he's recounting this. And and by the way, just before you get into it, Sean, I do want to mention, I want to give credit because I forgot to write it down. So I got to speak it. I want to mm -hmm. give credit to the writing team here, the way that they kind of weaved this a song of ice and fire prophecy into the show. Because when it was first mentioned, I think a lot of fandom, a book reader too, was like, oh, are they just doing this to kind of like tie the extended universe together, you know, um, and mention like, you know, the, the prince that was promised and all that kind of stuff. But to then make it so important at the end here, I thought was, I really, I was like, ah, that was good. Good job. That wasn't just fan service. You made it part of the story. Okay. But 
let me ask you, Sean, what did you think about Allison? Because it's obvious to me that she's going to use this going forward that to for her purposes. Um, do you agree with Gina that she kind of she knew what was up? I I don't think that she I don't think she knows her husband is rambling and is going to decide to use it to her advantage per se. I think that's a little yeah. too simple, right? I think she 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 knows he's disoriented and, and not, you know, completely straight in his mind, but that doesn't mean everything he says is complete meaningless babble. But it also doesn't mean you latch on to everything he says and go to war over it, right? Like there's something in the middle there. And I'm hoping she's going to find something in the middle. Like even if she does want to latch on to it, if it does have some meaning, she he said other things about like what happened in the north. Well, what does that mean to her? Is she going to make an attempt to figure that out? Is she going to ask anyone or tell anyone? Um, I, I think that a lot of things are sort of set in motion anyway. So it might just not matter. Like it, it seems like the Vissaris's play there at that dinner was trying to get everyone together and on the same page and get over their grievances. And it seemed to work for Allison and Renera, but it did not work for the boys. They still were ready to kill each other. You know yeah, what I mean? Great, so yeah. even if Allison, you know, aside from what uh, Vissaris said there as he was dying, I still doubt the ability of Renera and uh, Allison to keep her kids and Otto and all these other players, Laris or wh whoever else, you know, they're, they all already have this, these motivations. There's already this momentum going They're They're like teenagers with nuclear weapons. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't, it, it, it may make things a little bit worse how Allison interprets this moment, but things are pretty bad anyway. Does that make sense? So I think that's a great point. And it's a point that I believe in, which is that it's kind of the momentum of the crown has always been against them, right? And it, it's been moving. They they they're just riding the wave, and they seem to have no control. And whether one reaches out to the other, as soon as the next wave hits, they're back again. You know, and I think you make a great point, Sean. Which is I don't know. There's some quote I can't remember it that my mom, or my grandmother said or something. It's like. You know, once once uh, something spoils the kids, there's no going back. Like when when a when the parents pass on a hate to their children, it's hard to then you've yeah. made it intergenerational, right? Mm. And it's like once they pass that on to those kids, the kids now have their own rivalry, right? That extends past the mothers being able to do that. I mean. One kid lost an eye. And, yeah, never mind the mothers and the yeah. parents. Jace took Amon's eye, yeah, right? That's yeah. not going to go away because the mothers are friends with exactly. each other. So, and they're and they're kind of ignoring that, similar, mm -hmm. similarly to how the fathers ignored how their relationship yes. and what they were doing would affect their kids. Well, so the fucking Targaryens, I, this is why I agree with you, Sean, fuck them all. They're all nuts. <laughs> I still love the show, but seriously, they're all fucking nuts. I mean, that's a generational thing too. not communicating with children and yeah. not understanding how to communicate with each other. And it does make me wonder if Emma and Allison's mothers had lived would we even be in this situation? Because I think 
it was clear, at least between um, Viserys and Rhaenyra, that Emma was kind of the glue that kept them talking. I just remember like, oh, it's been six months and we haven't really talked about your mom dying. It's like, uh-uh. like, yeah. wow, that what? where would that happen? You know, um, you know, it's just it's all we can use all the lessons of the show and families today i guess i don't know they're just passing it on as eddie vetter said Mm. you know it's and it's that cycle that continues and we know who's going to have to break that cycle but that's another tv show uh, (laughs) that we already saw um you know (laughs) there's a um a thought i've had about this that uh, um Okay, so a lot of what's happening now is just the culmination of mistakes in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the mistakes in the past, are, again, they're on the parents. And, and you know, I guess, and I don't know, different. there's different generations of parents at this point. But, and, and maybe you can only expect so much of teenagers to, like, properly figure out how to manage their emotions, much less the realm or whatever. But at the point, the Visaris decides that he wants Renera to be the heir. Once that happens, they're like, okay, and they just keep hanging out in the ivory tower. If Rhaenyra got on her dragon and flew to the other major lords in the land and say, hey, let me see your beautiful farmland. What a great castle you have. By the way, look at these dragons I can burn you up with. Can't wait to be your queen. That is, see you next year. Point, that's you know, fair. Yeah. If she asserted yeah. herself and made some dipl- diplomatic moves and Otto could have done the same thing. Allison could have done the same thing. All these characters in power that want things to move in a certain direction, they just sit in their ivory towers hoping and assuming it's going to happen. They didn't do anything proactive to that end. And so now we get to the point where Otto says the men of the realm won't accept the queen. We're like, well, you could have made sure they did over the past 20 years, but you didn't. You know, uh, Rhaenyra is worried that the realm won't accept her as a queen. Well, she could have made some moves to make sure they did, but she didn't. Yeah. So you know, given those mistakes, they can't go back and do that now. But given those mistakes, how do you move forward? And a lot of this is Viserys's fault, too. But the way he wants to move forward is just pretend like everything's OK. Hey, if I can accept that Jason and Luke are legitimate heirs. Why can't everyone else? I'm not stupid. I know they're not. But for the sake of peace, let's do it. My my personal honor or integrity and all of your personal honors and integrities and even your personal you know passions or whatever are not as important as the lives of the people of this realm. That's our obligation as these royal rulers. Like we get these castles and these dragons and we're wealthy and just because we're born into it. But the thing we have to do is keep peace. And he seems like the only one is prioritizing that. And even he isn't doing a good job of proactively making sure it happens. And so we're going to end up with war and we're going to blame it on the blacks or the greens or Amund or whoever else. But really it's mistakes that the, all these leaders made 20 years ago, 16 years ago, whatever. Like I said, they all fucking suck. (laughs) 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 Fuck the king and queen. Uh, I'm Irish. I have to say that. Um, But let's talk a little bit more about uh, Viserys. We, we have the, when we first see him again, you know, he's got his face covered and right away, I thought it was a little like maybe I, I, I attribute this purposeful, not uh, for a lack of runtime for an episode. 
that Damon and Renera go right into, Dad, are you okay? You can barely, by the way, you better give him Driftmark, <laughs> right? Like they went right into it. Um, but then we get the amazing walk. Um, and you have mm. something in the notes here, which I didn't realize. I mean, this was fantastic stuff. There was a Is little this- bit of CGI later, I think, when there was like a profile shot that looked a little bit weird. But I think that really was him. And you said that in the notes that when the crown fell, that was all. I didn't get to watch the behind the scenes, but that was improv. Um, I, I read an article okay. and supposedly that when... Viserys's crown fell off. It was not scripted for it to do that. And I think the fact that not only did he stay in character, Matt Smith picked up the crown and went up to him and, and he's like, I'm fine. And didn't realize it was um, Damon. I feel, I just think because they continued carrying on with the scene, like nothing had happened with that crown falling up, but they acknowledged it and went with it. It's like, a level of acting that, you know, normally I think comes with more stage actors because when you're on stage doing a performance, mm-hmm. you have to go with, you have to go with it to keep it going. You can't just say cut, you know, oh, his crown fell off. And and the, the director had the sense to keep it rolling as well. I think that's, that is a stroke of brilliance in this show for sure. And I just, I also think that that whole walk up the aisle to the throne was like, you know, we can say what we want about speeches in this, but that stretch of acting, I'm trying to remember physical acting in this way that has been so unbelievable because the physicality of acting is, I think something that's really gotten lost. Like John Ritter was a great physical comic actor and um the actor that played Gollum who Andy really Serkis. didn't en- really didn't end up getting any credit for that because his face was animated even though his body was doing all the work you know like that those are the other two instances of such amazing physical acting that I could think of and um yeah it was kind of mind-blowing just watching yeah. him i was like this is the big dick moment of this episode right here <laughs> big was, dick energy moment of this episode <laughs> it was fantastic yeah and i i love the way that they pretty much shot it from every angle you know to kind of show what was going on and kept on kind of going close and then far um and i did for me finding that out about the the crown falling off that's like a that's a professional crew and that's good you don't you don't stop until the director says cut right you don't it's not the the camera guy doesn't go oh, okay we're done you know like the actors don't go we're done no you keep going because some of the best stuff that you get is after that point and that's kind of where it becomes real and that that moment it was such an incredible moment. Yeah, that was just that was amazing. And then he gets up and he's like, "Why the fuck am I even here? You guys <laughs> yes. brought me out here. This is already settled, which was great." And then I always forget her name, the queen that wasn't Rainies. Rainies. Yeah. She she then does a nice one, right? Mm-hmm. She kind of flips things to 
yes, it was offered the marriage and everything, but she stands up there and you, you could, you, for a moment, I thought to myself, wow, imagine if she had been queen, <laughs> we, would mm-hmm. not, we would not be in this fucking situation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's got a great head on her shoulder. She knows what the fuck to do. Like she jumped right in there and twisted that around to her advantage and um i thought that that was interesting but yeah everything becomes about this who will get drift mark i thought that was kind of great the way they built the episode you know we start off and we see oh look the granddaughter's with her and and then we go to damon and renero let's go time to go back to king's landing you know and then it all kind of culminates at least for this point at this big speech I thought this, what did you think of this whole, uh, this whole situation here, Sean? I was very frustrated with Vaymond. I thought that, uh, in the beginning, like you said, they were sort of setting this, uh, plot line conflict up in the beginning. Vaymond says, you know, we've got to be honest with ourselves, you know, and, and what he means is, you know, we've got to recognize these kids aren't legitimate. Ostensibly, that's what he means. I think really he's just, I don't know, ambitious himself. We'll say mm-hmm. because later when he's presenting this, when, you know, when he gets to King's Landing, he's meeting with Otto and Allison. I think what really what's happening in that scene is they're trying to get Allison on this side. She knows it's not what Vasaris wants. And so they're just thinking about how this is going to get spun. And when they say the line, what do you want the, the, the greatest fleet in the land to be under command of a child? If you're being honest with yourself, you know it won't be under command of the child, right? The child will be theoretically the heir, but he's not going to be riding around in a ship telling people where to put the oars (laughs) or whatever. You know what I mean? You know they're going to have some adult with experience in charge, you know? And then it happens again when he gets into the court and he's kind of making his case. and And he says, claim all along as he's worried about his bloodline. Like, look, you know, whatever other politicking is going on, whatever you have to do for the Targaryen, that's fine. But I don't want my bloodline to end over these bastards. But then Rhaenys gets up and says, hey, how about we have these kids marry? How about we have these Valarians marry these, you know, fake Targaryens? And, you know, they may be strong, but the, the mothers won't be. So the bloodline is secure. That's what you want, right, Vaemon? But no, it's not what he really wants. He's just being bitter or selfish or whatever it is. Yeah. He might be calling everyone out on their, you know, uh, the, the gaslighting scenario here. But what does he want to happen? Rather than everyone accept this lie, which at this point will still allow his bloodline to continue, he wants war. He wants a civil war where innocent people in villages that don't know anything or care anything about these stupid bloodlines are going to get drafted and slaughtered. They're going to get burned to death by dragons flying overhead. He just doesn't think or care about any of that. He's yeah. just being grumpy and selfish. And so for once, I was actually happy about Damon's violent uh, reaction. And Oh, man, that was beautiful. And the fact that he also didn't cut him off at the neck, but through the mouth. Right, <laughs> so that he Yikes. kept his tongue through. Yeah. yeah, that was that whole that was amazing. And then when everyone is, uh, they all all the king's guard comes out, and he's just kind of puts the sword down, and he's like, whatever. And then you saw what's his name, um, Amond or you know, Eye Patchy, was like, ooh, 
I like this dude. Those two, those two, I mean, they're both second sons. They, I feel yep, like they're cut yep. from the same cloth. And Me even too. Damon looked amused by Amund after the whole toast at the dinner. I was like, these two guys. I mean, it's, I mean, it just, it does it for me. Both these long blonde haired, weird Targaryens. I don't know. I and, love it. Oh, that casting was great. The, the, yes. the kids are great. They, man, they go after a look and they found it here. Um, and also his brother, Sir Rapey, that Ugh. was, th- that, that definitely, I, we we got to see more of that, whatever that was about i mean we saw previous six years ago how he was treating all the help right and then now we see okay it hasn't gotten any better which also i think points a little bit toward to allison not being the best mom in the world um you know and also the dad i mean the dad goes without saying he's like has lost half his body and this time he has probably little something else to worry about losing his eye um oh but like his son I did. I wanted to mention that too, right? It's like a, it's like a Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader spoiler alert type thing with the hands and the eyes, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. I got lost in those weird ass kids. <laughs> 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 They're that, all great. The, They're all. The, I, oh, I was gonna say, Serapi, when he started hitting on Jace's or not or or it's not jace it's i'm sorry i should get yeah no jace is betrothed yes jace is betrothed he his cousin um, Bela. Uh, yeah i was thinking oh shit are we gonna see a scene where he tries to do that to her too or like is this the the they're just building little things up with these kids right and I'm picking up on all of it, and I love it. And I do agree, Gina, it would be nice to have had a little bit more time to see them develop into these monsters or weirdos, <laughs> but I definitely am picking up on it, right? Like, that that scene earlier with the poor uh, handmaiden, and then later with him at the table, I was getting scared you know for her and and so i think that i'm i'm these kids are just i don't know i love them all i think the casting is fantastic the acting when they happen upon in the in the same area where that fight took place years ago between their dad and cole right and then all of a sudden they turn around they realize it's aemon who's fighting around um, yes. Although, how can you not tell with that long blonde hair? Who do you think it's going to be? Hello? I saw it. I saw him in the background. <laughs> and you can see the eye patch tied around the back of his yeah. head. Like, what? Who, why? Why the surprise? Like, you know, well, they, they <laughs> I don't know. They've been there in a while. They yeah, were kind of focused true. on the weapon and that thing in the wall, you know, where that, yeah. right? So that scene was great. Um, I just, yeah, the kids are fantastic. And, and how it came to, I really do like that thematic touch and that historical touch that it does come down to the kids can't let it go mm. at the end of the whole dinner. I thought that was fantastic. I, oh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I do have to say that I am still concerned for both Bela and her younger sister, whose name yes. I can't remember right now. Just because if for, you know, 
the king of the seven kingdoms, much as we saw with Bruce Bolton's story, is allowed to claim something called king's right, where they can bed the woman. This goes back to Lannister. Right. This goes back to um there is something with the Lannisters yes. that happened in later um right. Yeah, closer to the Game of Thrones timeline. But I, I am still very concerned for this these girls, especially considering how uh rapey Aegon is. Yeah, nasty. And the way Allison paid the girl off and then gave her the it was just the whole thing. <sighs> Great acting by that actress, mm. too. Yes. Wow. I mean, I felt that, you know what I'm saying? That scene was so powerful and how Allison changed where she does what she has to do, I guess you would say. And then the way she acts towards her son um, is, you know, but you could only imagine if, you know, what if she had actually, you know, like done anything about it. (laughs) She. She wasn't going to do that. <laughs> God forbid. No. Um, all right. What were you going to say, Sean? It's, uh, I was just going to point out the idea of it's hard to judge the parents for the actions of their kids. Like, it's not like parenting doesn't matter at all, but it's, but Amon is not rapey. So what's the difference between him and Aegon? And mm. Viserys was the father of Amon and Aegon and Rhaenyra. And Rhaenyra is not turning out to be some psycho killer. You know what I mean? And he was, I, I don't know. It's, it's, if, if every parent was held responsible for the actions of their kids, there would be no more human beings. You know, like there's too many times kids just turn out bad yeah. sometimes because of parents, but sometimes just some of the life experience they have or and some, some genetic default too. they have in them or whatever it is. And uh, I'm not necessarily arguing Allison is the best mother, but I, 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 and it may be that's an effect of, or maybe a reason why they haven't stretched it out long enough to see how good of a mother she is mm-hmm. or bad of a mother she is, because they don't necessarily want us to blame her for Aegon. They just want Aegon to be a bad seed. Does that make sense? So, yeah. And she basically says, you're no son of mine yeah. at <laughs> one point as well. Just like I'm, you know, and it, I think that's kind of an indication she's probably tried her hardest with him for a long time, but you know, you can't, you know, be on your kids. She's basically ruling a kingdom and you can't be on your kids 24 seven to to not drink (laughs) and everything else. And as the gods say, you know, madness comes to the Targaryens, the gods flip a coin and wherever it lands, it lands. And that's, it landed on him. He's maybe not mad, but he's definitely not right. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, bef- when they announced this show and they and and uh, and then they said it was actually, you know, the pacify going to series, and everything I said, if people watch this first and then they watch Game of Thrones, they might have a different idea about Danny. <laughs> I think that that might yeah. be kind of true. You yeah. know, like you might not particularly want Watching Game of Thrones, the Targaryens to return, even if it, whoever, which one it is, because they all a little cray cray. Um, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but that was, you know, being unsullied, watching Game of Thrones. I was a little suspicious of Danny, and, you know, because kind of from the beginning, she she had this idea in her mind that 
to be fair, she's just a teenage girl. She doesn't have a lot of world experience. And her older abusive brother has been pounding this into her. But she's supposed to be the king. So she gets married off to some violent warlord and tells him, hey, I want my throne. I want to go be queen of what she doesn't understand what she's asking. You know what I mean? But she has this sort of ambition in her that's going to result in a bunch of people dying. And I was just kind of suspicious of that and where it might lead. And she sort of grew beyond that and had a sense of morality and and, and, uh, a mission above getting that throne. She wanted to free slaves and all that's good stuff. But my point is that I'm like you were saying, if someone watched this first and then watched Game of Thrones, they might start with a similar suspicion of like, oh, God, what is this girl going to do? Mm. She doesn't realize the power she has with these dragons, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, which I think is super interesting. Um, All right. But, oh, well, one person we did not talk about is uh, Helena. And uh, well, we did a little bit. She had the good joke about how uh, after you get married, it's not so bad. Mostly he just ignores you. Except when he's drunk. <laughs> that was very, that was, uh, that was good. Um, but she did, what did she, you had it in the notes here. She said. She did throw out another potential prophecy where she said, beware the beast beneath the boards, um, which will come to see. But I, with, with this show, if we're talking about a beast, it means there's going to be a dragon lurking underneath boards somewhere at some point in the show i like that they keep on doing this i just think at some point somebody's got to notice that she has this yeah. i wonder if at some point someone is because it's like it could be a valuable tool yes a hundred percent i agree it just made i agree me think to either again. side yeah and she seemed more she seemed a bit more um alert it. alert yeah. yes when especially when she's like where's what was her name christina she's supposed to get the children right like so she already has kids with her brother right yeah yeah i think they had twins although that wasn't specified but i believe in the book they had she had twins right so that's good just want to point out that incest there for those of you who are (laughs) keeping track at home um all right what else do we got we kind of can i say real quick i I thought a lot i thought a lot about that beast beneath the board comment too and uh apparently oftentimes the board or board is referring to food or a dinner table like think of room and board and i i wonder like they were having dinner at this table and everything seemed happy but at the end that these the beasts you know that the anger and these kids riled up i wonder if she's talking about that well it can mean a lot of things for sure but that's one thought they brought out the pig on the board Mm, and set it in front of aemond and um luke giggled because i'm sure it was a reminder of the pink dread when they put Mm, the wings on that and i feel like that that was set it off you uh thank you for saying that because yeah that is i'm sure that's what it was beware the beast beneath the boards cracked it Mm-hmm. It was that pig. I like it. I still think it could be something else also, but yeah. that was a, you know, a thought that I had. So, yeah. Ooh, I like it. You know, one other thing, um, little tidbit they stuck in there. We gave us one little scene when, uh, Allison gave Diana that moon tea, I think they call it, what meant to yes. abort the baby. Um, the servant there, Talia, who brought that tea, 
has been in a bunch of scenes and she's gotten a name, which is an unusual for sort of a background character like that. Mm. And then sure enough, we saw her show up with Lady Masaria. Yes. So some amount of information exchanged that somehow that's got to be relevant. To, I, I don't yeah. know what or how or when my, my current theory is that when Vasaris dies, Otto is going to want to keep that under wraps until he gets things in order. Right. He's going to want to like call the banners in old town. He's going to want to get, get the ships out of port, get the dragons in the air. Like, okay, now I'll announce that Vasaris has died. But if Talia knows and tells Lady mm-hmm. Masaria, then Damon might find out before Otto's ready. I, I'm not exactly sure where it's going, but that's the type of thing I can imagine where how that might matter. Mm, no, I, I agree. And I kind of wondered who is, um, I like to call her bad accent. Um, although I know she's also, no, um, yeah, also known as the white worm. The white worm I, like yeah. to, I like to call her bad accent. Um, is we she worked she was kind of working with Otto before when right. he was hand the first time around and if information's coming out of the castle it leads me to believe that perhaps they are no longer working together and which leads us to who is she working for and it, are she and Damon going to kind of reconnect in this way from information trade mm-hmm. um so she might just be working for the highest bidder. That's also that's true. possibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. It's there. Yeah. Well, it's there for a reason, right? That scene is there yeah. for a reason. And yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll see how that is. Maybe there's some bargain to be had. Or I like what you were saying, Sean, about this information about the king, you know? Mm. I mean, it's the same thing. Last episode, when Renera's like, we're going to Dragonstone. And I was like, no, you want to stay in the castle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like if you want to yeah. claim that you, this is you, if this is your castle, you don't fucking leave it. Mm. You know what I'm Possession saying? Possession is nine tenths of the law. Yeah. yeah. Like when Vissaris dies, if Otto and Allison and Aegon are just right there in exactly. the castle, who's going to do anything about it? Like that's what, history. What, that's you if know, they like <laughs> flying with their dragons, what are they going to do? Like, burn King's Landing and kill a bunch yeah. of innocent people and hope they get Aegon and then the realm will support them. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's cutting your nose off to spite your face and you might not even actually cut your nose off. And, and you know, like that doesn't, that's not going to work. And if they land the dragons, then I'll just be seized on the ground and put in a, under arrest and thrown in a, uh, you know, maybe not an actual dungeon, but they, they won't have their liberty to, to get the throne. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know how they're going to do it. And and that's, it's kind of interesting where they left us off in this episode when we've had a bunch of big time jumps. I wonder where yeah. this next episode is going to pick up. Is it going to be the next morning? Is Alicent going to, mm-hmm. is, is Renera going to have left yet? Or are they going to be a high Basaris of death long enough to make sure that Renera and, uh, and Rainey's leave. I didn't and, watch uh, the preview, so I don't know. Um, I, one other thing I wanted to shout out was, and that's great points, Sean. Um, one thing I want to shout out was the uh, the faith taking over here, and all how she's how she's put the star right of the seven mm-hmm. everywhere through the castle. If you in the past, you remember a lot of the I don't know art on the wall was 
orgies, you know, who is yeah. a bunch of like, yeah. and, and <laughs> so on, that's all baby. gone. And I have this religious chemistry yep. and, and I, I imagine that's probably Allison. I don't know whether it's for show or personal guilt or some combination, but she's trying to make up for the fact that her kids a crappy rapist that her <laughs> children have had incest with well, each other now they're... like hey, she cut Renera's arm like That's, she probably yeah. some combination she feels guilty about these things that she would think of as sins and maybe she needs to present the the the, the castle the family or whatever is being more chaste to make up for how much it's not and uh, you know I don't know how much it's working and maybe it makes her feel better about herself, but I don't, Damon wasn't buying it. Right. <laughs> well, we've seen this in the past, in the future with Cersei, right? Well, you are, or is, I wonder if this is also, I think in one of the behind the scenes, I heard it on a podcast. It might've been our good friend, Matt, who created podcast Winterfell listened to before the dragon podcast, um, where there was an interview where they said in the intervening time, Allison has turned to the seven to faith to try to heal that anger that she displayed in cutting uh, yes. Renera and, you know, and everything that had happened. Right. And I get probably to deal with old uh, hubby becoming a zombie as well. Um, you know, but I mean, I think that that's interesting to me. I wonder it's not only interesting because like you said, Sean, it kind of shows a change that we see then in Game of Thrones, right? Like, I mean, maybe it changes back and forth over the time, but yeah. it shows a kind of like a, a, a cycle of the faith coming into and out of power, right? In King's Landing, depending on who's in the throne. But I wonder if we're going to see that politically as well if we're going to get maybe a new character or something like someone who represents the faith like that that allison kind of aligns with um it's it's worth noting we haven't had that at all so far yeah. i don't think we've had a, a named religious leader think. yet so yeah right be interesting yeah. to see if that becomes a thing because it was definitely like you know they not only do we see it but damon and renera make mention of it as well you know, and the prayer yeah. that Allison, he says, would you like to pray right to her? And she does a little prayer. Right. And, and, but she, you know, she was devout before she took young, when they were young, she took Renera into True. Uh, the sept Great. at that time. Yeah, sure. um, uh, it wasn't yet yep. sept of Baylor, but it was um, the sept that they had before that. I have also been wondering and it's not necessarily for for many reasons if Alicent is the one who ends up having the weirwood tree cut down. Mm. Um I think it's I think it would be for reasons more than just faith, but we know that the weirwoods in the south were all cut down later. But I feel like that one at King's Landing might be cut down by her specifically or on her orders rather. I'd love to see her out there with a the hatchet going at it. But um that could I, I be kind a of great wonder symbol. about that. And and you know what, Gina? That is great too, because that, that's where we saw them, Renera and Allison, yeah. being such great friends, right? And yeah. so that's interesting. You think that maybe she'll reject religion out of some disappointment or frustration or I well, would say why the old gods out. I, yeah, and I would say why I feel she's going to do it, but it would be too spoilery. Okay. Mm. 
Interesting. Ooh, I like that. I have heard like conspiracy theories. You know, there, there's this idea that the weirwood trees are maybe like a network through which green seers or blood raven can yeah. see or something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, oh, I don't yeah. think maybe. that's conspiracy. That's, that's true. Okay, okay. That's, that's I think, <laughs> so, right. So maybe she <laughs> thinks that someone <laughs> can see what's going on in King's Landing through that tree. And so it's like an... A counterintelligence measure to cut it Ooh, down or something. No. But, well, but I, that goes back yeah. to what you're talking about, Sean, is if I remember correctly from the history, that is why they were cut down. For that exact the, reason. Yeah. Children yeah. of the forest from being able to see through them or something. But yeah. Um, um I have I have often thought that um because you know in histories you have unreliable narrators and I think that's ah, all the same. Okay. Is I've I've felt like any scene that we see in front of that weirwood tree, I feel like this is something that actually, like, really happened in this history. I know that's like kind of a dorky thing to no. think. It's like a book reader, but I thought, okay, if it happens in front of the weirwood tree, we know it happened. Wow. Well, that's thing. what makes this show so fun. And I think I don't know if if I think uh, we had talked a little bit about canon versus what you know, like there's the books, there's the show that. Whatever, it just, it all adds to the kind of fun of it, you know? So I like, I like to think about stuff like that. I think that's very interesting, um, especially another this show. Another thought, a, a kind of a two-part connected thought, something we didn't see, a character we didn't see this episode was Laris, who seems to be yes. bubbling up into a villain, a player, right. a key player of sorts. I, I wonder if he could be a quote unquote, a beat beast beneath the board. Like if he's, oh. I don't know, quite if maybe the board could, I was thinking like the table, but maybe it's the floor, something under the floor, which doesn't necessarily literally even have to be under the floor, just something that's could hidden or out of sight. Yeah. And he kind of fits that. I, again, Ooh. just a theory, but one way or the other, we got to think about how Lars yeah. might play into all this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, councils can also be called boards. And oh, if yeah. he's like someone not, officially on the council but we know at one point he used to meet with allison all the time and had dinner council yeah yes kind of behind behind and beneath they're similar that's interesting Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought that up sean because one of the things i was wondering about after last episode would be how otto when he kind of like if there like if they were working together, like it seemed like they were both kind of after, you know, through the queen had that power. So you wonder. Otto and Loris, you mean? Yeah. 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 How, what they've been up to during this time period or what he's been up to. Well, he was, he now is the, uh, what does he have now? He's the Lord of Heron Hall. Heron Hall, yeah. And, you know, close ally of the Queen, but that's kind of, unof- unof- not kind of, it's specifically unofficial, but not meaningless and not unnoticed. Kristen Cole made a point of it. And if he's noticing it, other people probably are too. Yeah, cool. Um, was there anything else? We talked about a bunch of stuff. Is there anything else? Uh, Gina, you have anything you want to bring up? I don't think so. I think we covered quite a lot. Yeah, I agree. Sean, anything else that you want to chat about? Well, I'm trying to look through the notes. Oh, we didn't mention Damon getting the dragon eggs. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, it was a neat little tidbit. That was fun. Tidbit. Oh, yeah. oh, I love that so much. I wanted to see more. I wish that was like a 30-minute scene and 
we got to see all that. Kind of, I just, I love all that weird, like mythological like dragon stuff. I wanted to see more of like what he was, what was that? It was like a big egg and the eggs were inside of it or they were like. Can it, I, can I tell you, Axel, you really got to watch the behind the scenes. Okay. Um, I'll watch yes. that. I didn't get it. Because they talked about it. They yeah. say they were going for like an alien vibe and I think they got it pretty they well. Did. Yeah. And, they and they also said did. that they, you know, that, they didn't say it in the episode, but they said it in the behind the scenes. So I wonder how much more it'll play out. But they said that Damon has this project of making a, an incubator for dragon eggs. And I don't know if he's just like a fun hobby for him that, you know, uh, it seemed like, you know, I, I had this idea when he was still on Driftmark that maybe he's just trying to remove himself from his politicking. He knows that he stirs trouble and it maybe he has some you know, lust for adventure or ambition for power. And, and it just causes trouble for himself and his family. And he's just trying to remove himself from it. Remember, you know, his wife kind of was saying, Hey, I, you know, I want to go back home or oh, not, not drift market. They were in Pentos. And she's like, I want to go back to drift market. And he wasn't having it. Uh, now he's on Dragonstone, but he's still kind of removed from all this politicking. He's he's to support Rhaenyra. He's jumping back into it. But I feel like on Dragonstone, he's finding a way to entertain himself. That's not causing trouble for other people with his dragon eggs. Yeah. Well, on some level, it might be power in the future to have a bunch of dragons definitely. that you have harvested that you make oh, sure yeah. your children are, are bonded to or whatever. That's what but that takes say. it's got to take several years for that to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this this war is coming in several. I don't know days <laughs> hours weeks i don't know not long enough for those dragon no, eggs to hatch and grow up ahead you saw yeah. that that's yeah. the same thing that otto said about um aemon losing his eye right it was worth getting the dragon to our yeah. side yeah uh -huh. i'm glad for him to be planning ahead <clears throat> but i think that that far ahead is too far to matter at this moment now well, I guess we're going to see next week we'll on House of the Dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a good segue, Axel. Good job. Um, <laughs> and I'm talking to myself on podcasts. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that about covers it. This was another super fun episode. Sean, you are fantastic. Everyone can hear you on History of Westeros. Why don't you tell people again where they can find you? History of Westeros. We've got... Uh, podcast forum all over the place at spotify is probably the biggest one um but we also make videos on youtube and uh history of westeros or i think it might be westeros history is technically the channel name but you'll find it with history of westeros also my own channel is dancing sean and you can follow me on twitter at dancing sean and i guess i'm on reddit now also is dancing sean so you're dancing ever dancing all over the internet <laughs> i love dancing gina yes you got anything to say before we go? No, I'm looking forward to the last two episodes to see where it lets off. And I really hope we get to keep the new Eamon for a while longer and hopefully into next season because he's got the essential bad boy Targaryen smirk that his, I guess, uncle Damon also has. And I want to see those two spar a bit. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, can I, I agree. Can I say real quick uh, a couple things? Sure. I wish I had a better source to confirm this, but from what I understand, there's not going to be another casting change. Oh, yes, and, okay, good. Uh, one, two, that actor, I feel bad, I can't remember his name, but he was on The Last Kingdom, which if you haven't seen The Last Kingdom, it's sort of a medieval drama okay. action, and it's it's really good, and he plays a sort of warrior monk type character on there. He's uh, 
kind of a tertiary character, but if you really like an ad actor, that's another spot to find him in a show that's yes. really good. The last you, you and Mitchell, I had looked him up. I just looked him up again, but yeah, oh, I yeah. heard someone talking about how he, he kind of plays a very adorable, you really like him character in the last kingdom. So Much more modest. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> modest, pious, I think was yes. even oh, stated. He yes. does. God though, just like Matt Smith, he just has that like that, face he looks like he's wearing a mask and it's his face you know it just pops off the screen wow he's doing a good job acting this yeah. role because he presents himself a lot differently than in the last kingdom he, he I, I observed he kind of holds his lips in a certain way and mm. you, you you might not even recognize him uh i mean obviously the hair makes a big difference too but yeah, yeah he's, he's fantastic he's, he's got a good kind of cold intensity mm-hmm. and the smirk together um I was just like, okay, if they had to age up that kid who I just fell in love with, they they did a good job. I'm I'm fine now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know that that kid, the younger version of him, that was David Tennant's son, and another doctor, really? along with Matt Smith. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so he, cool. Neat connection, huh? He was lovely when they did a behind the scenes last week after he rode the dragon and he talked about the kid fight i was just like this is just a good kid in general mm-hmm. i just and and that made me even more sad that we weren't going to see him again mm-hmm. but yeah he's 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 gonna be one to watch i think very cool all right well we'll look out for that thanks again sean for coming on buddy you're thanks for awesome. having me yeah dude gina you're fantastic next week trey is gonna come on with us Look forward to that. Then the finale, we got the creator of the podcast himself, Mr. Matt Murdick, is coming back. Only two more episodes left. Been a fantastic season so far. I can't wait. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and listening. Thanks for reaching out and touching what what hold on a second that's a different podcast (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening everybody peace out that was that was part of the incest cast i got it all mixed up (laughs) i couldn't help it